0: Hello, this is Reverend Bob Moore, Executive Director of the Coalition for Peace Action based in Princeton, New Jersey, and we are having our next podcast on the role of women as leaders in peacemaking around the world. We have two wonderful guests today. Erica DeCranes-Torsiello is the former Assistant Director of the Coalition for Peace Action, so we know each other well. She currently works for Women's Space and Irene Etkin-Goldman is the board chair of the Coalition for Peace Action, and I think it's very impressive that she's been our chair for 15 years now, and she's been involved literally her whole life. She'll be telling us more about that as we go forward in this podcast. This past week, we've had a screening of some documentaries on PBS. They were called Women, War, and Peace, the role of women in efforts to establish peace in various places around the world. And Erica, you led some discussions about this in the pre-screenings at the Princeton Public Library that we co-sponsored with the library. Could you tell us a little bit about those documentaries? And I know you have some personal connections to some of the people that are in those stories as well.
1: Thank you, Bob. These documentaries were really interesting because they explored women as peacemakers in a variety of different areas throughout the world. Uh, The discussions that I led involved um, the women's role in the, uh, in Tahrir Square and in the Egyptian um, revolution. And also a, a... they also involved uh, Bangladeshi women who the the documentaries displayed them at home and as peacekeepers on a mission in Haiti. So mm-hmm. there were really interesting soci- uh, socio-political contexts and very different mm-hmm. uh, backgrounds of those women, which was really interesting. One of the other documentaries involved Northern Ireland, which I really found to be an important topic. Uh, I lived uh, for four years in the UK. And Mm -hmm. one of my good friends is actually writing her PhD on uh, the Northern Irish Peace Agreement. So it's really interesting to explore what a big impact the women Mm -hmm. there had in the Good Friday Agreement and the lasting peace um, that Northern Ireland has experienced for the past approximately 20 years.
0: Mm -hmm. And when I watched that documentary, one thing that struck me is that when the men were trying to get the process to go forward without women there at the table, they failed over and over. And it really wasn't until the women had not just a token role, but a leading role, that they actually got to the finish line. You know, when I think about it, former Senator George Mitchell got a lot of the credit, a man, right. but in fact, he was stuck too until the women came to the table. And so really this is such an important aspect, isn't it, of having success at efforts to reach peace understandings and peace agreements and mechanisms for getting to this goal that we have.
1: Yes, and the Northern Irish example is a really good display of women really taking a lead role in a context where they it was particularly challenging for them to do that. Um, from what I understand, the um, social and community aspect of Northern Ireland is very polarized. Um, mm-hmm. Women essentially um, or historically did have more of a place in the home and in the community. And in this case, that worked to their advantage because they were seeing this violence and this conflict in a completely different um, in a completely different aspect than their male counterparts. And I think that's why they felt the need to get so involved in this process. I'm a strong believer that uh, women are not naturally born better peacemakers, but that their role in society and how, they've stati- how they throughout history have been placed in a certain role that's usually more community and family oriented gives them a unique perspective that really helps with long-term peace, so it's more of a social aspect.
0: Um, and then you have, through your friend, you have some personal knowledge of some of these women peace leaders. I know some of them got the Nobel Peace Prize even, right. in terms of getting to that finish line, the good so-called Good Friday Agreement.
1: Right, and uh, my friend who has spoken with some of these women and some of the leaders, she tells me that they're very inspiring. Mm. Um, she also, in addition to studying the Northern Irish leaders, she also looked at um, the former Secretary of State of the u k, who's also a woman at the time, so mm-hmm. just some really great leadership on all sides. Yes. of the of the conflict and all sides all, all aspects um, of the community.
0: Irene, let's turn to you for a minute. You've been involved in human rights and peace for your whole life, and we've been so lucky to have you as our board chair now. The last 15 years, but quite a few years before that, you were our outreach vice chair. You've played so many different roles. Tell us a little bit about your experience as a woman peacemaker.
2: Well, I see myself as a peacemaker. Mm-hmm. I happen to be a woman. Yes. And a lot of peacemakers in this world happen to be women. Yes. And a, a good majority, and for some reason. What is it? Uh, what is it about women who perhaps see things? Uh, see things a bit differently. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm one of four daughters. Ah, so I okay. grew up in a household of women. Wow. And, every, and ha, ca- wonderfully, my parents were, were both, whatever you want to do. And there, was no, oh. there were no boundaries. Um, and, yes. and so I went forward. And um, going to Douglas College, a woman's college at Rutgers University, mm-hmm. also a wonderful experience. Mm-hmm. And seeing the change in women, uh, I entered in 61. With white gloves and and <laughs> pro- <Yes. laughs> we had to wear certain clothing and by the end of that year we were in blue jeans and torn cutoffs and and uh, sounds had, a lot more comfortable right <laughs> and had a, an inspiring dean dean ruth adams who mm-hmm. was brilliant um, mm-hmm. in bridging that period mm-hmm. of time the sixties mm-hmm. were an interesting time yes. Um, so our involvement in civil rights, who who were leaders in the civil rights movement? Mm-hmm. Mostly men were were brought up finally today, Rosa Park's role right. uh, early, her early role was right. is brought out. Yes. Uh, the Reverend Doctor Martin Luther King, his wife was yes. really the Coretta woman. Scott Coretta, King, Coretta yes. Scott King was the woman who really pressed him on the issues of nuclear disarmament. Yes. And he bravely and uh, courageously against all a lot of pressure from within the African American community spoke out. and she was a, a brilliant force in that in that light and, and is known for that today. And I see our in our in the many organizations in which um, uh, I take interest, um, even new ones that are starting up where perhaps they started out with, um, I'm thinking of one in particular, I won't name it, it's a, uh, beca- it's a wonderful organization, started out with mostly men mm-hmm. at the top, and when those of us who were involved in the beginning, uh, we women pointed out, uh, you're heavy, heavy on the male side mm-hmm. here, mm-hmm. Uh, immediately turned around. Yes. immediately invited a women's coalition to it. And, um, and now that organization is, is beautifully run by women, by men, uh, with great leadership. And, and
0: if I could just interject, in a way, the history of the Coalition for Peace Action, I've been here for most of its history. I've been here 38 years. It was founded one year before I came. But when I first came, it was mostly men who were on the board, because it was composed of clergy mostly, and it was still mostly male clergy Mm -hmm. in those days. And I'm glad that we've evolved over the years to have a much more balanced board. I think we're somewhat probably a little bit of a majority of women on our board now.
2: Very wonderfully uh, uh, on our board and, and among our assistants to Uh, directors to the Coalition for Peace Action. We've found I've been privileged to interview on those occasions when there's been a change, and the impression I have of the women candidates for the job is that they shine. Uh, Erica was a great example of that, Thank of, of yeah. such a, a person who uh, came to us and today Nikki Van Aller is, is, right. is doing a great job. Absolutely. Yes. And so as soon as Erica left to, to yeah. take her other job, she right away came back and became a board member. Yep. Absolutely. Okay. And, be a board uh, member. Yeah, because em- the young people on our board, uh, yeah. uh, Nikki and Erica and now Kristen, Kristen is yep. on our board, mm-hmm. Uh, sort of breathes a, a breath of fresh air and yeah. And a Kristen, just
0: so our listeners know, is is Kristen Palladino, who was our intern from Rutgers, and she just did a fantastic job on our Peace Voter campaign because she came on right at the start of an election year of twenty eighteen, mm-hmm. and we were doing candidate briefings and we were candidate questionnaires. It was a lot of nitty gritty work, and mm-hmm. Kristen just grabbed a hold of those, and so. We're honored that she has, as she now has started her career, she's working as a paralegal, but she's on our board too. So yeah. we have these young women that are just powerhouses.
2: Uh, I think it's quite wonderful that we're sitting here today in uh, talking about women on the very day, April second, which is Equal Pay Day. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, one hopes that the word goes out that uh, it's still a, a horrible uh, difference between the two and the more that people can focus on equalizing, the better that will be.
1: And can I just say the um, Council on Foreign Relations produced a report today on the top 10 countries for um, equal pay. And the US, once again, was not on, Uh. was not a member of the top 10. So it's disappointing that um, such a leading country is not leading in this respect.
0: And so many of the countries that are doing better, the areas of the world, are areas that intentionally empower women. Right. When you empower women, they're better off, but they often, their whole families are better off. And so this is something we need to be doing a lot more of if we're going to have a more peaceful world. We need women's leadership. I'm thinking, for example, of the current negotiations that we have been undertaking with North Korea. Unfortunately, this second summit in Hanoi was a real failure. Well, the US side was all males. And it's mostly males on the North Korean side too. And so you know, this is one of the things that we need to learn from the Northern Ireland experience that until you bring women to that table, you're not going to have the kind of movement toward real peace that you want to have. And that's why I I think we were so honored last year at our annual uh, conference for peace to have Wendy Sherman as the keynote speaker, Ambassador Wendy Sherman, who was the lead negotiator on the Iran nuclear agreement. So she was one determined person who coordinated a team of literally hundreds of people who helped us get to the finish line over a three year period. So that was really impressive, I think, to see what happens when you have women peace leaders at the table, you you have a lot better chance of getting to that goal of peace. Mm-hmm. Irene, I know you, when you first became our board chair, there were a couple of things that really impressed me about your leadership, and that I think are often overlooked, and one of them is, the incredible leadership role you played in our fundraising events. We had a 25th anniversary coming up right as you became the board chair. That turned into a smashing success. Mm-hmm. And then another one was soon after when you saw this group of Muslim and Jewish comedians oh, from that was Canada that was called the Mideast Optimist. Tell us a little bit about those. Oh,
2: that uh, Shortly after 9-11, Uh, There was an article in the New York Times about a group that was appearing just months after the event in Canada. And they were called the Mideast Optimists, Muslim and Jewish comedians. And it struck me. I saw their picture. I saw what they had done. And everybody Mm -hmm. remembers how horrible we all felt. The world was at at sea. Um, The coalition experienced. uh, People came to us to seek peace and to to, to get help, and we wanted to help. Right. And I thought, well, if you can find laughter, if yes. you can find some element of laughter, uh, that will relieve the tension. And so I got in touch with these, this group. They um, <laughs> they were all men, but it, that's okay, they were very funny. Yes, they were, <laughs> I remember. They were very funny. We were all in stitches. <laughs> and they came, and it was a, a beautiful, uh, coming together of society, yes. of Muslims, of of all people of all faiths, right. of Jews, Christians, Baha'i, right. all all faiths, and it was with great trepidation that the Muslim community said okay that they would promote this program with us, um, because they wanted they didn't want to be hurt, and we didn't want anyone to be hurt. I I bring up this concept because through music, through Mm. art, Mm. through different avenues of, uh, through laughter, um, one reaches people in ways that one might not think are uh, nuclear disarmament, or right. oriented, right. Or, or gun violence uh, prevention oriented. Right. Uh, so right. thanks that, for bringing that, that was, that was a, it, and it was a hysterically funny time. It
0: was, and yeah. it was a smashing success. I remember we had reserved a venue that seated, I think, about two hundred mm-hmm. for a one night, and that sold out almost immediately. Then we had to get a second night. And well, go I, to, and
2: yeah. I foresaw that. Thank yeah. you very much, <laughs> and reserved. Uh, the school, right, Princeton, Princeton Day Bay School, school right. in, mm. in the event that we might need such a thing. Yeah. And not only did we sell out the first night, we sold out the second Correct, night. Right. So it's not about the fundraising so much as it is about the raising the image of uh, what the Coalition for Peace Action is about. Absolutely. And what peacemaking signifies.
1: And I, I think with that you're touching on some really important aspects of creating a long-lasting uh, community and peace because you want different aspects which will be able to bring the community together, not just you know a written peace agreement or something mm-hmm. political, but you need these, these different avenues. You need mm-hmm. integration, you need um, different, like you said, musical, cultural joint programs that will mm-hmm. allow people to come together and experience each other in their daily lives. And mm-hmm. I think that's, like with the Northern Irish example, I think that's what those women and some of the men that were part of the Mm -hmm. peace negotiations also did was bring these community programs. um, I think that's so important to all aspects of peace.
2: The beauty of our organization, I have to say, is and I used to tell Cliff whenever I would come home from a meeting, Mm -hmm. I said, this is a group without an ego. We get to our executive, Mm -hmm. when we meet in a board, men, women, everybody's voice is equal. There aren't arguments, people aren't doing it for their own personal interest. Uh, I love being part of the coalition. <laughs> the well,
0: we love having you, and so. I remember that saying that there's almost no limit to how much good can be accomplished if we don't worry about who's gonna get the credit. But it, that that's the approach often taken by women leaders. Mm-hmm. Are there things that we haven't touched on that relate to this that either one of you would like to bring up before we close this podcast?
1: Just based on what you were just talking about the fact that we know that peace negotiations are more successful when women and other groups are involved um, Mm -hmm. when they're representative of the people that they are uh, negotiating the peace for Mm -hmm. however statistically women are I believe, less than 10% of the negotiators at the highest level, um, even though they are just as affected, if not more affected, by violence. Mm -hmm. And I think that's Mm -hmm. a really um, sad statistic that we need to work on improving in the US and worldwide. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah, we don't want the Wendy Shermans to just be one tenth of the people that are at the the top negotiating level. I agree. Very good point.
2: It's a very big challenge. Uh, The consciousness has been raised to that. Look at the last elections and who mm-hmm. stepped up and yes. how many people of those who were recently elected are, first of all, youth mm-hmm. yes, and women. Yep. yep.
0: Absolutely. It's beautiful. And not <laughs> only the ones who were elected, but the ones who really got out and voted. And I, I applaud a lot of the suburban Republican women who maybe voted for Donald Trump in you know 2016 and nobody is beyond redemption and they changed their mind a lot of them especially the college educated women moved in very large numbers to voting for democrats who were running for congress and I think that has made this was the biggest shift I think ever in U.S. history of how many seats shifted from Republican hell to Democratic hell. Now, Democrats aren't the whole solution, but they certainly they've been much more responsive to the cause of peace mm-hmm. in recent years than mm-hmm. Republicans have mm-hmm. been.
2: And the women in the African American community were a huge percentage, a Absolutely. very, very high, in the 90%. Yes. Um, so we'll lift up our women sisters who stepped up and stepped out and voted.
0: Yeah, and now we see more and more of the candidates running for president are women, and so it you know that last glass ceiling hasn't been broken yet, but I am confident that one of these days soon, because they are top flight candidates.
2: Well, don't you think that the conversation when you have that many people out there running for, for in a primary, uh, the beauty of that is the the the. Pro, the the different projects that they want to put forward, their yes. programs, and um, and I think it will be helpful. Yes, no matter yes. which one of the men Absolutely. or women is uh, selected that the, the move is to equalize the representation and the voice.
1: I think we will break that last glass ceiling sometime in my lifetime. I'm yeah. confident. Oh, oh, I hope <laughs> so. And, and by <laughs> the way, I forgot
0: one really uh, spectacular ca- woman candidate for president is Representative Tulsi Gabbard of Hawaii. You know, she's hasn't gotten as much attention as some of the other candidates. But as a member of Congress, she has an excellent bill and a great track record. But her bill uh, would stop these new so-called more usable mini nukes that are Mm. coming along that they want to put onto cruise missiles and other things. And she has a bill that would cut off the funding for those that wouldn't allow them to go forward. So I've had the privilege of meeting her in person. And the place where I met her was not one of the annual meetings of Muslims for Peace, so which is a wonderful group here in New Jersey. Mm-hmm. So I just think you know, that this is really opening up our vistas and helping us understand how important the role of women is in empowerment, in equality. But above all, we're commenting on that today in terms of peace in the world. Again, thank you both so much for being with us. And I want to also end... Uh, this podcast by thanking our producer, David Crowe. He was the one who came up with the idea of doing these podcasts. We're really grateful to him, but also George McCullough and Princeton Community TV, which so generously is sharing their studio with us for this podcast. And tune in, go to peacecoalition.org to find out more about our important peacemaking work. We hope we'll see you, talk to you again soon.